Hey, happy new year. It's Brandon Laws, your host. This episode is sponsored and hosted by Zenium HR. Zenium is providing small and medium-sized companies with solutions for payroll processing, HR consulting, compensation solutions, e-learning, and so much more. So reach out to us at zeniumhr.com. I'm super excited for today's episode. It's with my very good friend, Emily Elrod from Georgia. She's the owner and president of WorksBee. And in this episode, we're discussing, which is very fitting for the new year, might I add, self-care, mental health. And so in this episode, we're providing five tips each. So I provide five, Emily provides five mental health tips and well-being tips for you to practice and make life a little bit better, especially during times of COVID. Hope you enjoy this episode. Emily's one of my favorite people out there, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Enjoy and talk to you next week. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. I am so excited for this this conversation. I've got my best friend over in Georgia, Emily Elrod. So good to have you. I'm so excited for this conversation. It's going to be a great one. So I've been talking recently about mental health, and I think people are struggling right now with the health crisis. And so I thought with this episode, let's give people something tangible that they can take and apply in their lives, their workplaces, whatever. And so I want to talk about 10 tips for practicing self-care and to increase our mental health Mm -hmm. uh, as individuals, as leaders uh, inside of our organizations. So I want to start with you. Okay. What's one tip that you would give people about improving their mental health? So one thing that I've really been doing, and I'll say, I want to preface all this, that I practice all these things at home and in work. You do, good. I do. And because my kids are my guinea pigs to see if it actually works first. But um, one thing that we've been really focusing on lately is cherish this moment. And so I don't speak about this aspect of it with my kids, but suicide. I do mental health first aid. And in that aspect of speaking with one of the mental health first aiders, she was talking about how there's this practice that you tell people what they may miss, what you might miss from them. And I'm preventative. So from the preventative, how can I do that on the reverse? And so we started doing saying what you can cherish. And it's so interesting. Anytime that word cherish pops up now, my kids are like, they said that word, mama, they said it, you know. <laughs> but the practice is, is whenever you have a moment that is going chaotic or it may just be normal. Give my latest example. And I promise I'm not redneck before I say this. I have a cow in my bathroom right now. It's because it's sick and it's cold yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> But all that to say is it's not the ideal situation. I don't want a sick cow. I don't want to have a cow take over my bathroom right now. I'd rather it be in the barn at the farm, but it's not. So I could stress out about this, that everything that could go wrong. But I say, I want to cherish this moment. And that's, that's the principle behind it is whenever there's a moment that's in chaos or there's a moment that from a preventative aspect of it, 
what can you cherish now? Because the more things that you can find to cherish, it's bringing it to the good. And if 80% of our thoughts go to the negative, we're going to have to do something about it. So in your area today, right now, look around. What do you cherish? What is, what is a moment that may look like chaos, but you're going to cherish it? Like you have a cow in your bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's interesting about the, the cherish the moment thing is I think a lot of people would get that. Like, I need to cherish the moment, but it really causes you to pause and be in the moment. And I think that's what people struggle with right now is like, okay, I got to have, I got to be touching my device or I've got to get on this next call or I, I need to be doing something. And so like for a lot of people to just sit there and pause and not do anything except for say, you know, really grateful for whatever it may be. And mm-hmm. I think it's hard for a lot of people. It's hard for me. I struggle with that daily. Yeah. And it's a practice that has to be put in. It is like an exercise. You have to do it daily. You have to get into practice of doing it. And the importance aspect of it is it's like a muscle. Yeah. And some of the other things that we'll be talking about later, it, all these are muscles that you have to develop and adapt because whenever it comes down the road, it's again, it's preventative. We want prevention instead of reaction to things. And whenever we can kind of own our environment, and somebody that's coming from a physiological basis, that that's what it's about. Owning ourselves so that things don't own us. And that is the importance of these tips that we're going to be given throughout this whole entire time. Because our thoughts lead to our feelings, which lead to our actions, which over time lead to our behavior. Exactly. But we got to control this thing upstairs first. So what's a tip for you that you got? That So it's a perfect actually alignment with what you just said. My first tip, uh, so tip number two overall, is to journal on a regular basis. This is something I wish I was doing more often just because I think it's so therapeutic. I think like especially as people are stuck at home or this just health pandemic, if they're alone or they don't have anybody to talk to except for their immediate family and they're kind of like kind of done. Like they, they need to connect with their colleagues, their friends, and it's just hard to... The journal is the next best thing to connect with because you can reflect on the moment mm-hmm. and you can go back and and see, okay, this moment happened and this is how I was feeling. When you connect like the actions that was happening at the moment with the emotions, I think that's when you really start to see just how complex our brain is. And I love being able to almost talk to your former or future self through journaling. So I don't know if you journal, but what do you think about it? So I do, but I have found I'm an odd duck with a lot of things. My brain seems to go so fast that my hand can't keep up. So I just get pissed off at my hand. And so I've learned I can talk. I hate writing. (laughs) So I use my phone. And the funny thing is, is like, yeah, we do podcasts. In essence, our podcasts are a lot of our journaling. It is. And I've been doing this for years. Um. Anytime something happens, like before, and I'll eventually release them. I don't know when, but before I started my business, before I told my CEO that I was going to step out, like I recorded before that, I recorded after that and how I freaked out before, then you can hear afterwards, like, why did I freak out? Because I do that every time, you know, Seriously. before my big meetings, before I had a huge fail and one of our um, meetings that we've had with a major client and just to hear it out and to see it happen. So I love the reflection of it. And I also do this with my, again, my kids flow a lot because what I say is you're a human at home, work and play. If you can intermingle them and my kids are a huge basis of a lot of the things that I love and I want to give 
not just in my next generations, but for seven generations from now. That's how I think. How can it impact seven generations from now? I know. And so for me, my journaling can actually be for them too. I love that. You know, it was interesting because you and I both had read or listened to the Matthew McConaughey book, uh, Green Lights. And we we shared some messages about that because there were some moments in there which I'm not going to get into, but there were some like pretty weird, like out there woo-woo moments and <laughs> whatever. But the fact that this guy had been like basically journaling for 30 plus years, he like could remember vivid moments and how he was feeling or moments in time that were like what he calls green lights, like moments where it's like, okay, here's my my path to kind of grow and shoot forward. And I love that. Like he would document poems that he liked or had written and bumper stickers, like bumper stickers of all things funny because you like you see him and you're like, and then you forget about him usually. But he would, I think he said he would like drive around in his van or something when he was driving around and he like had a road microphone system uh-huh. in there. And so he had high, high quality microphone. He's basically journaling and documenting everything that he's seeing and feeling. And I love that. It actually was inspiring to me because he was able to recall these impactful moments in his life. And, and to me, like during this health crisis, there's some good moments and some bad moments. And I want to know that like a year down the road, I learned from these hard times and I, and I acted on them. And that's, I think where journaling can really help from a mental health standpoint. I don't know if you have anything to add that I, to that, or if you want to go to your next tip, but that's my thoughts. You know? Yeah. I think just to add just a little bit more is that the impact of journaling is releasing it. Is that the stress you're putting it out somewhere at least you're getting it out. The energy is getting out of you in some form or fashion. So it's a release that is more therapeutic than some other ways that some people get releases from. So some people Netflix and chill. Some people go to uh, alcohol. Some people go to different things. Like they go <laughs> to chit chatty, like fest, you know, hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a little bit of alcohol. Come on. <laughs> no, 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 there's not. Trust me. Uh, wine a day keeps the doctor away. That's, that's, <laughs> that's my bumper sticker, right? That's no, what they say. Great. I can say it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, but those are things that that's just what it's been for me. It's a release and it's a reflect. So we don't live in the past, but we can learn from it. And I, and I like what you said, like Matthew McConaughey, it's green lights. It's to see, like I had somebody the other day, or actually this morning we were talking and they're like, how did you get to where you are? And I was like, well, I've been blessed and I can see my blessings through that. And it allows me to reflect on and cherish, like we talked in the first one yeah. about the good that comes in it, even in the negative. And I think that flows into our next one for me, which is kill the ants, which is automatic negative thoughts. Mm. And Brandon, you know me, I am a happy person. I'm positive. I spew rainbows and butterflies. Very much so. Um, But the thing is, is I have a lot of negativity in my brain and I have to control it because it can own me. And what I've found too, especially for your high performers and top leaders, you don't need to tell them what they're doing wrong sometimes because they already know it. You need to help them get past that hurdle of that negative thought. And that is also for yourself. If you have this script that is playing in your brain, there's two things that I want to say to one, listen to it. Who's saying it? Does it start with an I or does it start with your name? If it's an I, it might be something that you put on yourself. If it's you or Emily or whatever it is, it might be from somebody else. 
um, to give perspective to that, a U for me is whenever I was 13, I had my uncle. I weighed more than I do now, and I was 10 inches shorter, and I'm 4'10". So I was tea tiny. Um, so all oh. that just <laughs> say that. <laughs> You're like a blueberry. <laughs> I was, basically. And I didn't know I was going through the changes. And in the middle of a massive family reunion, he goes, dang, Emily, you've gained a lot of weight. I'm 13. What? Oh, my God. That, this is the worst. By the way, 13 years old is the worst point in most people's life. Middle school is incredibly hard. <laughs> yeah. And then the blast put me on blast in front of everybody. So all that to say is that that stuck with me for so many years to understand, like, why do I have this, this image that I need to be a certain way and look a certain way? And whenever I can tie it back down at that negative thought kept whenever I thought about it and looked on it and accepted that thought that if it was mine or not. And then the other part is there's negative thoughts that we have sometimes like my husband doesn't listen to me. That's me saying it. But with an automatic negative thought that comes up, my husband never lists me. Or if you think at work, like my boss never listens to me. What it is, is to think, is it actually true? You, first you say, is it true? And I'm like, heck yeah, you don't listen to me. He did da, 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 da. But then ask it again. Does he really not listen to you? And for me last night, he spent an hour on the phone with me um, while he's working away. So there's some evidence that he actually, he does. He does take that time for me. Yep. And it may not be exactly my love language at times, may not be exactly how I want to receive it, but he still does it. And then flip it on the reverse. And by saying that my husband does listen, he actually listens to me and breathe that in and feel that feeling because our thoughts lead our feelings, which lead our actions, which lead our behaviors. And so when we, we reverse it and we're like, oh, we actually do feel love and cherish that physical feeling. It's called oxytocin. I call it the loving grandmother of the body. It actually starts to go through your body and you feel that warmth and that comfort. So that's a that's just a quick tip is whenever you have these automatic negative thoughts, who's saying it? And if you're saying it, you can flip the script on it into something and try to find evidence and see if it's actually true and then see if it's not. I heard somebody that I, I love their inspirational work. They said, I let myself be negative or throw a pity party or whatever it may be, but it for like 45 seconds a day and that's it just like get it all out and then mm -hmm. build on it like to your point like shift that my husband doesn't listen to me to like and you could whine about that for a second and then move it to my husband does listen to me and find the evidence and because i think you build on that i think that's just much better i love that mm -hmm. and i think that's important that you do say you need to have pity parties because things happen to you that are unfair. We ha we do have unfair and unjust things that happen, like COVID right now. It is unfair, mm -hmm. <laughs> but we're all dealing with it. It sucks. So it sucks. Embrace the suck because it sucks at times. But that is to say that we don't need to stay in that negative. So what do you think about that, Brandon? Staying in the negative? Mm -hmm. I don't do it. I try to move away from negativity. And it's so easy to get negative right now. But I'm looking at a lot. Of, there's a lot of good that's happening too. Like there's, I got my family. We're healthy. We we have technology where we can connect with other people. Like there's 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 reasons to make sure that we kill the ants, as you say, and kill the the automatic negative thoughts that we experience. I I love that. Okay, so how about I give you my next tip? My next tip is it's funny. Like you have all these cool acronyms and all the the science behind all these. Mine are just like here's what I do, and I, it helps me. <laughs> so 
exercise. Exercise is my number two tip. And the reason why is I, I don't know exactly the science behind it. You probably would know and you can tell me and fill us in. But just getting the blood flowing, uh, getting up from your seat, it, it doesn't even have to be something crazy or elaborate. Just, I mean, 20, 30 minutes on the elliptical, go out for a walk, uh, do a couple planks uh, for a minute each, like while in between meetings or something. Like just get moving because I think it's so refreshing for the mind. Like when you're sitting there staring at a screen all day or sitting down, like that's like the lack of blood flow cannot be helping us. So, what are your thoughts? Well, they're saying now that sitting is the new smoking. And so, and we're sitting yeah. a lot. So, it's very important. And here's the cool thing that I love that you brought this up. That come new um, New Year's resolution, I find a lot of people come in and they're like, I want to eat right. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do all these things. And I'm like, well, slow it down. Let's just work on one. Because the cool thing is, is how the body works is sleep, food, mood, and movement are all mutually reinforcing of one another. So what does that mean? So whenever you work on your mood, you're more likely to eat better because you may not be stress eating. Or you may be um, not worrying. That's such a great point. Not worrying. Or you may not get hangry as much. So hungry and angry at the same time. But it's the reverse with exercise. So whenever you're exercising, it actually releases some of those things that we talked about earlier, like the loving grandmother, oxytocin, dopamine, the cheerleader of the body, serotonin, safety, cough of the body is what I call it. It releases some of those chemicals so that you're like, oh, okay, I can breathe. And here's a cool thing that it does too. It actually releases the same chemical that you are stressed with. So cortisol, the angry coworker of the body. But I only say she is angry because she's doing everybody else's job. She actually has a cool thing where she can bring you care and connect. <laughs> I know Brandon's like, here comes story time. But um, she brings care and connection. I love it. <laughs> so think of the times whenever you, you're like stressed out. Just go for a walk. It literally, your body it loves it. And so that's the reason why you may not know why you love it, but there's a science behind it is that your body wants it. It, it thrives off of it. It does come with the blood flow. But moreover, it's the chemicals that are being released that start with, ta-da, the brain. <laughs> See, I knew you'd bring the science to this. Like, I just came up with a point because I'm like, I think this helps my mental health. I feel better. <laughs> and here you are just dropping knowledge bombs on us. So I love that. Um, what's your next tip? Okay, so mine is gratitude. And it is saying three blessings in the moment. And there actually is tons of science behind it too, why I love it. And I won't totally nerd out on it. But needless to say, gratitude helps reduce stress, especially chronic stress. And especially whenever you feel like you're in chaos. And I love doing this whenever people are like in traffic, may not have as much traffic now. Or if you're like me and I'm on my third computer right now and I have an online business like everybody else. Oh, poor thing. So what can you do in this moment? You can say three blessings in this moment. And again, it's another muscle. You have to exercise it. Just say three blessings in this moment. Set a timer for it. Set a, um, a reoccurring timer. That's what we do. Or just take out your phone right now and some random time in the future. Put three blessings in this moment. I think I shared this story on your other podcast, but the reason why it's so powerful 
and and came home to me the most is whenever I do this in all my classes, because that's how much of a secret and super power weapon I think it is. But this woman did it and she said it for midnight and she was going through the middle of a divorce oh. and she was thinking about ending it. But that that popped up at midnight, which I don't recommend y'all setting a reminder at midnight, but it popped up <laughs> and she said three blessings in that moment. She wrote me an email and told me how much gratitude she had for it because it literally saved her life. That's the power of saying three blessings. Oh, wow. I love that. I um, kind of related to my earlier point about journaling. I would usually, no matter what, add three things I'm grateful for to mm -hmm. the journal. So like, I don't know if I start with that or end with that, but I always try to make it a point to to write those three things down because you got to look for the, even the little things that are, that you're grateful for. And I think like, I don't know what it does to your brain, but it feels good to reflect on things that we just sort of, I don't know if we sleepwalk through the day or we just sort of are, we expect it over and over again, but it's like, my gosh, without this, life would be harder or without these connections, my relationships wouldn't be as tight. Like to be grateful for even the most basic things I think is so important for us and our mental health. I agree. I agree so much. So what's your next tip? Okay. My next tip is to read. I love reading. It's an escape. It's I, I don't read a lot of fiction, but I read a lot of nonfiction. It just gets my brain turning in, in a way that um, it inspires me. Like you said, uh, turn off Netflix and reading is, is good. Like get rid of devices. We stare at enough screens all day. Pull open a paper book. I mean, I read on the Kindle and I do audiobook too, but being able to read, I think, is really, really good for the mental health. It relaxes me. I, I especially like it when I can pair it with something that gives me some sort of relaxation, like a tea or a cuddle up with a blanket on the couch or something or get in bed and, and just read until I'm tired and then go to sleep. It's like, to me, it is a great way to either start the day or end the day or if I can find time in between meetings or something like that. I'll try to read for like five or 10 minutes, but I think it's super important. What about you? I love it. And it's something I used to say, I'm not a reader. What? Again, it goes with that. My, I, I used to past tense. And okay. then there came yeah, like, um, because I like to, this is my theory for it. I actually am legally blind. So I have horrible eyes. I have contacts. If I take them out, I can only see like an inch in front of my face. <laughs> And so I don't know that, why I'm laughing at that. I'm sorry. <laughs> you have glasses. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but all that to say is I didn't know what a tree looked like until I was in first grade. And so I couldn't see, I couldn't read. So I had to adapt to it. And so how I learned for, especially in the beginning years of my life was to listen. And that's, I guess, why I do a lot of listening yeah. in the work that I do. And so when audiobooks came, game changer. Because it came from the point that now I can go run or walk and I can have it on. I can still be with my kids or I can go for a drive and I can have it on. It just has been, it is, I think it's the thing that it's a relaxer and it helps me not to think about the things that stress me out. And that's the power of it that I love the most that comes from reading. And at nighttime, I am a person of faith. So at nighttime, what I found is I turn on my Bible app and it reads to me because I think and I think and I think this brain very hard to shut off. 
And I want it to shut off at times, but it just doesn't. And so that's a way that helps me to not stress about things and to continue to listen and set it on a timer and it turns off. So that that's my thing. I love it. What's your next tip? So my next one is me time. So it kind of flows into yours. Ooh. But here's a caveat. <laughs> I'm going to do the Southernism. Bless my husband's heart. Last night, I went off on him. And I went off on him because you? I <laughs> me time. He is an introvert. Mm-hmm. So his me time is let's go to the woods. Let's be by ourselves. And he's also an only child. I'm a twin. That means since even in the womb, I had somebody beside me. I need people. My me time is people time. So like this, oh, it fills my soul. So, and I always joke, that's the reason why I started a podcast is for me time. So whatever your me time is, do it. What fills you up? What fills your, because in the line of work that I do, I have to empty my cup into so many other people. I have to find things that fill mine up. And so finding and putting boundaries that are realistic is the key part and making sure that there are things that we can all agree upon that my husband understands that I can't say, Hey, suck it up, buttercup. You're listening to me right now. Like I can't do that. That's not realistic, (laughs) but we can come to a compromise to say, Hey, you're my person. I love you. I need you a little bit more. I am not getting my fix because I'm not getting to be with my clients. I'm not getting to be out like I love to be. I'm not getting to walk the plants or be in the the buildings. I am in my office, which is at home. So the, that's just, that's my thing. How about you? Do you have, I know you said readings are me, Tom. Is there something else that... Yeah. Um, reading is really my me time. I like, cause I consider myself an introvert as far as like recharging, mm-hmm. but I'm really extroverted from a, like a social standpoint, but I get exhausted from it. So I, I do need to have some isolation. So reading is really important. Um, this is really sad. Um, but on the weekends I love movies. So I oftentimes will stay up really late on the weekends because my wife likes to go to sleep really early and I'll stay up and I'll watch movies because I like some movies that she doesn't like. And sometimes I just like to sit there and watch it by myself and be able to to laugh or be um, thrilled by whatever action movie I'm watching or something. So those are kind of my moments of me time where I'm like, I read during the week. I read on the weekends too, but uh, late at night watching movies because I can't watch the stuff during the day because my kids are running around. Like I just don't watch TV or movies during the day at all. It's just impossible. So that's that's kind of what I would say about myself. But I, one thing I wanted to ask you about the me time thing because I think right now this is the biggest struggle where you might have two working parents, you're working at home, you're also homeschooling kids for those that have kids where's the me time? I mean, like my wife, for example, she's like homeschooling kids. I'm working nonstop and I feel like I'm on calls all day, but she's just struggling, like hard to get any me time. So how can, whether it's partners or roommates or somebody who can help you get the me time, what's a good way to get like an agreement on like, okay, look, I need my me time. And this is what it looks like. What, what do you recommend there? 
I think that goes to expectations. And I say the biggest form of disagreements all come, they say communication, but it's the communication of the expectations. Those are hard conversations to have because a generalized expectation was that as long as my husband takes care of the outside of the house and he does the laundry and the dishes, as long as he does those things and I keep the kids alive and moving, we're good to go. Well, now the kids are in the house the whole time. We're making more messes than we were. Yep. And they're with me all the time. So for me, and, I, and again, I am not perfect on this. It's all about progression for me. There's no such thing as perfection. There's only progression. And so the thing that I have found is to just be upfront and honest. You've heard me say it, be hot, humble, open, and transparent. And have your your fits. Like I had it on my husband. Like I told him, I'm like, I need you asking for help prideful pride can it's what the pride before the fall pride can really kill you ask for help and if it's the reverse if it's your spouse you can it's like really struggling ask them what they need and they may not be able to say it or yeah but listen into some of the cues so example yesterday i talk about how much i got so much on my plate with my husband and he knows that the internet has been a trouble because Lord have mercy in the South. We have not the best internet whenever you're in the middle of nowhere. So, but all that to say is he kept hearing me fuss about it. And instead of saying, Emily, can you quit griping about this? He called the internet provider and he changed it over. For oh, me. Nice. He was on the phone for an hour and a half to change it over for me. And that was such a relief. Oh, wow. And so that's He's the thing. a keeper. <laughs> he is on some days. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, no, on some days. <laughs> but it's the thing that comes with it that finding ways that you can read people. It's the emotional intelligence. And it's asking for help. Yeah. And finding what I found, again, because I deal with my kids or my guinea pigs a lot, is prompts. Find prompts and, and say, where are you asking? Hey, where are you struggling at? Like actually asking that, you know, or what is a time that I might could assist you? Or is there a way that we, I can get the kids out? Or what does me time look for you? <laughs> Those are just some examples. Yeah. What I've also found about the me time is if you can schedule it, well, especially if you have, if you've already gone through the exercise of like asking for what you need and then you had an agreement with somebody and I'm really talking about like when you have kids and it's just complex home environment to be able to say like, I need this. I'm going to schedule it in my calendar at this time and I'm going to stay committed to it. I think that's really important. I don't do that enough, but I think it's really important to do. I agree because I live by a calendar. My husband hates technology. So we are, they say opposites attract and we are total opposites when it comes to things. And so finding that again, that common ground is I use my calendar. We have something called a CEO meeting that our family does. And so it's where we all come together and we just talk about things like what are we working on? What would we like to fix? What are upcoming projects or dates? All about expectations. And then we do three glows and one grow. So three glows is what are the three good things that are happening and what have you improved on? And where's one place that you can improve at, which is a grow. But the calendar invite is huge. 
And it holds us accountable. Because what I found is I easily can let things slide. And he knows how I easily let things slide too. So it's it's a give and take. It Adding accountability into the me time, not just for you, but for others. And to say, hey, we agreed on this. We sticking to it because we all need it. So my tip number four, uh, which I think we're at eight overall right now, I think breathing exercises or meditation, uh, I guess it would be sort of a form of meditation, but I think like just pausing and clearing your mind, like clear out the noise and just live in the moment, even if it's like couple minutes. I don't, I don't do it a ton, but when I do it, oh my gosh, it's so therapeutic to clear your mind and be able to just focus only on your breathing. That's it. Mm. Nothing else matters. Just live in the moment. Do you ever do it? Oh, you know it. Um, so this is something I teach a lot and I'm going to nerd you with the science on it just because I think it's important. Please do. Um, when it comes to this, I, I do this with top performers and actually been doing this a lot with some professional and, and collegiate athletes. And this is in the principle of baseball is where I'm usually working at lately. And it's find your home state before home plate. But you can also use this in business or life. So anytime you're going up to back in life on something that may seem big, find your home state before you go to home plate. So what is your home state? That is homeostasis is actually where your body likes to be at the best. And guess what really does it very well? Breathing. And so there's multiple ways that can lower our heart rate down. It can get us to where our bodies is are happy and that we're not in this freak out moment and we are owning our environment and we're owning ourselves. And it's extremely important whenever you're stepping up to the plate because you don't know what's going to be coming at you, but you know it's a big opportunity. And so whenever you can control that beforehand and you're controlling your environment before you step up, it makes all the difference. Um, and there's a billion different breathing techniques. Box breathing is mine. It's also called sniper breathing. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's my go-to. So you can do it for four or eight seconds. But basically, you breathe up a box, you hold the box, you breathe down the box. And then you hold the box and you just yes. do it yep. multiple times. But what it does is it brings your body. So I use I use my Apple Watch. It's got like a breathing app or whatever, and it just comes standard with it. But it's I think it's I, it must I didn't know the technical name for it, but the the breathing box. It's like it'll actually have a circle mm-hmm. on it. It starts really small and then it'll vibrate as it goes out. And you're supposed to be basically breathing in, hold it and then release it at the same kind of pace. And you're just like, when you start actually paying attention to your pacing, that is powerful. Cause I, I mean, I don't, I don't pay attention to my breathing on a regular basis, but I, it's probably short bursts of breath. It's probably not great for my brain. <laughs> and that's the thing that it is, is that you, you're bringing it back to where your body's where it wants to be. It's its home state. Like I said before, home plate, it brings it where it is. It's happy, natural, loving land that it can own and it can control. So breathing is so important. And here's the thing that also comes with it. We can multitask, but we cannot multifocus. So I can be talking with you. I can be writing. I can be doing some other things. So I can multitask, but I cannot multifocus. Our bodies are trained to go one thing at a time. And so it can only go through this gate, one, one thought pattern at a time. 
And so that is very important whenever you're just focusing on one thing so intently, like your breath, again, the the stress, everything that comes with it, along with doing an exercise that actually lowers your heart rate. So there's your nerd science behind it. I love the science that you're bringing. What is your last tip? Um, Such a nerd, y'all. So my last one is what's owning me. It's a trigger assessment. And you can do this in multiple ways. But I'm going to give the example that I, again, my kids, because they're the easiest ones to teach. And one thing, and I'll say their triggers are not so traumatic yet. And so it's like an onion. You have to peel it back and peel it back. Well, they got skinny onions. And that's what I want them to have is, is these skinny onions that not everything in life piles up on them. So that to say is one of the what's owning you assessment. I ask the kids whenever they're having a response that they don't understand why, what's the trigger? What's owning you? And we're in the South, again, in the country area, and we have tons of coyote. And so my daughter, I asked her, she free, she was freaking out every time that a coyote was howling. And we got like a hundred out here, like at one time going off. It's, it is creepy. I'm not going to lie. It's creepy. We got them howling outside my house too. It's crazy. <laughs> and so all that to say, whenever she hears it, she, her response is fear. And she doesn't know what's going on in her body. So what I've asked her is, you know, the trigger, what, what's owning you? The coyote howl is owning her. So why? Or is there a way that we can reverse it? And what she said is that I can now think whenever the coyote's howling that it's music playing. I was like, okay, that works. And it's flipping the script from making it from a negative because what she had watched is some show where it was homesteaders or something and the dad's dad got killed by a wolf. And I had to explain to her how a wolf is not the same as a coyote. Oh gosh. And that's what she triggered it with is that what was owning her, that trigger was that her daddy was going to die from a coyote. And so whenever she flipped the script and understand how it was owning her, what was owning her and now making it into a positive and saying, Hey, it's still making it's music now. How much she has changed something at age six. So imagine if we could learn some of this stuff way earlier, how much it could impact us down the road on seeing what is owning us, what's changing us from that home state, which is important. What what you got to know what yours is in in the beginning. Um, Breathing is a great, like you said before, bring it back to the breathing. Why that's so important, because you can kind of feel what you need to feel. So whenever you don't feel like that, you can say, oh, my gut, it doesn't feel right. Or I just, it, it just yeah. doesn't feel, you know, and so you can know. I love that tip because I think, especially when we're dealing with the current health crisis and just, I think people have so much anxiety around that right now because they it's so uncertain. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know if you're going to get it, uh, what your reaction is going to be if you do get it. Um, you're worried about loved ones. You're worried about ever going back to work. You're just you're fearful, right? And so this this idea of like what's owning me and assessing that and saying, here's how I'm feeling. Here's why it's out of fear. I mean, almost is always out of fear, right? Mm-hmm. And just being able to move forward. I don't know what the answer is, but, but I, liked, I like that. And it's what you said, bringing you to the present. We can't predict the future. Yeah. Nobody can. 
And so since we cannot do that, stay in our moment now and see what you can do with it. We can practice social distancing. We can understand if there's a family member that thinks it's not real. That's their that's their thought process. Because here's, here's the thing is with fear, there actually is a response called ma- like masking. So there's fight, flight, freeze, but also it's where you fake. There's also one called fake. So people mask it. And if it's not real, I don't have to deal with it. So give them empathy, but you don't have to go into their circle. You don't have to be in that sphere of influence and say, okay, it's not real, but it is for me. I don't know how to feel right now. And that's that's the big thing that I've been seeing and with a lot of the, the work I've been doing in the mental health is people are stressed from the unknown. Then you have holidays, which are not going the same, but you have expectations and family obligations to go on top of all of that. Yeah. You can't control those things. Like you know that your granny is going to yell at you because you're not coming for Thanksgiving. So it's insanity to expect another response. We're recording this. It's mid November, so it's not quite Thanksgiving, but we're entering holiday season. And I don't know, I haven't kept tabs on what's happening in Georgia, but I'm in Oregon and our governor just basically locked us down for two weeks, basically through Thanksgiving, and I imagine it'll be pushed forward. Mm-hmm. But in the Portland area, which is the biggest metropolitan area, they extended it to four weeks. So almost through Christmas time and uh, other holidays around then. And I think people are are sinking to that like really negative level right now. Uh, in the wintertime, especially, the weather's not great here. So you add that on with the fearfulness of what's happening and I can't leave my house and can't go eat in a restaurant or my kids can't go to school. Like you add all those things together. It's just people are really struggling. That's why I wanted to do this episode with you. It's crazy. Yeah. And I think that's an important note right there is serotonin, the safety cup of your body really controls the anxiety and depression aspect of it. And 90% of it is in your gut. But all that to say is there's things that affect it too. Like if you're doing that owning assessment, there's something called seasonal affective disorder. So that's right now it's in the winter months that you get a lot because actually light, whenever you go outside for a walk or run, the light actually helps you level out your serotonin. And so it makes you feel good. It makes you feel safe. It makes you feel right. Comparative to darkness. If you're going to go out walking in the dark, you don't feel so safe. There's a thing. It's your serotonin that happens with that. So the safety cop of the body. So you're adding seasonal affective disorder. You're adding being closed off in environments. You're adding the pressure of, like I was talking about earlier, about family obligations or being in lockdown, not being able to move. You're not getting what is called oxytocin. I talked about earlier, the loving grandmother, which is social connecting and bonding. And the people that you probably socially connect with, you're probably sick and tired of because you've been stuck with them. So all that to say is everybody needs to check on everybody. People may look like rainbows and butterflies and happiness. Yep. And I've talked about my struggle with depression. There have been times that I've been at my lows of lows. And if it was not for people checking on me, I probably wouldn't be here today. Yeah. And so during this season, and I've, it's a sad prediction that me and my team, we've talked about. And reason why I love that you're doing this and some of the work that we're doing really hard in this next season. I think there's going to be more deaths by suicide than there will be by Right. Yeah. And it's something we need to talk about because it's a real, it's a real problem. And that's why I think I, I posted something on LinkedIn. I'm like, I'm going to do more mental health stuff because we're not talking about this enough. And it's, 
for a while. I don't know if it was taboo or people were just uncomfortable, but I'm like, I'm tired of being uncomfortable. Like, or people projecting like their uncomfortable nature of like not want to talk about. I will talk about anything. I will take it head on because it's a real problem. And I want, you know, experts like you who know what they're talking about and can give me the science behind it. And you lay it out like it is. Well, I appreciate it. And that's the thing. I think it's important to, to discuss. And I think that goes to our last point too. What, what do you think tip number 10 should be? My tip number 10, it actually, I think we're lock in step right here. Cause we, you just said was like checking on people because my last one was connect with a loved one or a friend and show appreciation. Like it feels not only does it feel good to give appreciation, but you know, people are going to give it right back. And it just feels good to give that to somebody like, or even as basic as, I mean, if you're out in public or whatever, like holding the door open for somebody is something as simple as that, like doing kind things that is so good for the brain. Mm-hmm. I, I, it fills me up. I love seeing people's reactions. Uh, maybe it's a, a selfish need on my side, but like, okay, if they, if it's a win-win, like they're benefiting from my appreciation, like whether I'm sending a note or holding the door open or randomly calling or texting somebody just, Hey, thinking about you, I appreciate everything that you do, blah, blah, blah. That makes me feel good. It makes them probably feel good because it caught them off guard and this is different. What do you think? I think that's so true. And I'm going to call you out on this. I love that the other day you sent me a video message Mr. High Techie over there in my email because I got to see your face and I got to see you. So again, I hate to harp on the science behind it, but that loving grandmother oxytocin is what really sustains us. And so you say it's a selfish thing. It's actually your, your human thing that you want to be connected. Humans are made for connection. We're made to connect one another. So since we're seeing everybody in 2D, we have to take it to the next level. Handwritten notes, game changer, because you're touching something that somebody's wrote. Opening up the door is another game changer because it's a physical action that somebody is doing. And for them, especially right now, a lot of people don't feel safe touching doors. And so you're, you're adding a different level to it. So finding ways that you can, what we talk about on our team, how can we get oxytocin releases? So how can we get that loving grandmother out into the public so that People can feel connection and bonding because it's so, so important, especially now, because the the thing is, is that what I found is a lot of people, the recognition is a little different because that's more of a, what is called dopamine, the rah-rah teenage cheerleader in your body. And it is quick hits. It's the same thing. I call it a teenager because it's like your first time. It's like, ah, you know. It's something that makes you feel good. Sure. It makes you feel good in the moment, but will it sustain and last over time? And that's the important. Too many people are wanting that rah-rah teenage cheerleader and they actually need the oxytocin loving grandmother. They need that experience. They need that love. They need that connection. So calling on your people, loving them, sending text messages, like physically talking to them. Ways that you can hear them out is beyond important, especially right now, because a lot of people don't feel heard, they don't feel seen, and they don't feel listened to. Okay, that was 10 tips for mental health. Um, Emily, this is just, it's incredible. Like, you are incredible. This was a great conversation. I hope we helped people today. I suspect that 
even if all the tips aren't great for an individual, like at least some of them, maybe they'll take action on one of them. And that's all, you know, I could really ask for. You're a, you're a bright shining star. I hope you know that I enjoy connecting with you and uh, just seeing all the positivity that you, that you project through your content, through social media, your handwritten notes, all that stuff. I appreciate you. And um, where can people find out about you, follow you? What are you up to? I know you got a lot of stuff going on. So shed light on that. If you want to find me, you can always go on LinkedIn. You can send me a message. I love to talk to people as long as you don't sell me things. That's the only thing. I I love you and I will talk to you, but that you just, ugh. I have a reaction to that. I, it can own me. And there's a truth there. Me too. <laughs> but all that to say is LinkedIn's a great place. Emily Elrod there or at my company, worksby.com. So W-O-R-K-Z-B-E.com. You can go over there and see some of the work that we're doing. And also I have a podcast called Unapologetically Bold. I'm not sorry for it. As we talk about how we're a human at homework and play and how we're not sorry for being a human. Kind of how I slightly nerded out a good bit about how humans work. I nerd out there even more about why people should not be apologizing for who they are. Emily, keep up the great work, my friend. I appreciate you. You're a blessing. Thank you as always. 